Sarah Cornell, and welcome to Songwriters Unblocked. With new episodes released weekly, the show is an in-depth exploration of the songwriting process. I interview writers from all genres and backgrounds, and we have conversations on the ins and outs of inspiration, effective storytelling, overcoming writer's block, and more. From the nuts and bolts of songwriting theory to the emotional side of putting your hopes and fears out into the world, I go deep with each one of my guests to uncover what it means to be a songwriter. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the episode. Multi-talented singer, songwriter, and rapper Alexandria Dollar has become an undeniable gem in the city of Atlanta. Alexandria has worked with Billboard charting artists such as Jay Holiday, Lecrae, PJ Morton, the Disney Channel, and many more. Alexandria currently works as an A&R manager at Reach Records as she continues to write groundbreaking records. Hi, Alexandria. Welcome to Songwriters Unblocked. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we're glad to have you here. Excited to hear what you have to say. So the first question I ask everybody is, what was the first song you ever wrote? Ooh, the first song I ever wrote, I was probably, probably like in middle school. I used to be in a like kids singing group. So um, for Christmas, I got this like beat machine type thing. So I used to make beats and I wrote my first song for that project, which was really cool. But I was probably like 12, 13. I don't even remember. So long ago. Do you remember what it was about? Um, It was a rap. Uh, so I think it was just about anything at that time. I don't remember the, the specific topic, but I know it was rap, a rap song. That's cool that you started from a beat. I I started, I don't know, I think I I was just singing. Um, And then I started playing guitar. Like everything that I wrote kind of came from guitar, but that you've got a beat machine and really started there is is cool. Yeah, I I actually did guitar lessons for a little while, but it started getting kind of rough on my fingers. So I Mm -hmm. gave up. But I wish I would have stuck with it because that's so cool. I wish I was better, like for sure. I mean, I've been playing pretty much my entire life and I'm still not <laughs> all that good. I was like, I just want this to sing. I just want this to write songs. So Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. So, you know, from this first song to where you are now, how has your process, your songs evolved? And maybe when did you realize this could be a career? Um, So I come from a family of like musicians So everybody is like always doing music around me. So for me, I really just tried to focus on um, just having more like of a concept when I wrote instead of just like writing however I felt in the moment Um, and just kind of changing my strategy a little bit up. Um, So when I would kind of switch it over and and focus more on that, I would let my sisters and people like that kind of listen to it. And they're really like, you know, they have a professional, you know, experience with songwriting. So when I started getting certain type of feedback, I was super excited because I felt like, okay, this is something I feel like I can really do um, versus just doing it for fun, you know? So. Did you ever consider doing anything other than music? Oh, I did. I was really, I was like a big basketball girl in high school. Mm. Um, And I uh, wanted to go to college and play professionally, but you know, after I just started digging into music more, I just felt like it was something that I could do without really feeling like it was a job. And that's not how I felt with basketball. I felt like I kind of started growing out of that, you know? So 
similar. I, f- I find that sports and music are are similar in their their effort and dedication, and yet very, very different in terms of the day to day and what you're doing. Yes, yes. So it's a lot on your body with the sports stuff, and I don't know. You know, on the college level, it just gets ridiculous. So I'm like, let me just stop while I'm, you know, while I'm ahead, and and the music thing end up working. Yeah, that's awesome. And interesting also that you had a family that was very musical and you kind of always saw it as a possibility or a path for you. Mm-hmm. Yep. What kind of music was your family involved in? Are Do they do things that are very similar to you or is it different? So um, I come, my dad is a pastor, so I'm a PK. Mm. So we were raised with, you know, just, and then my mom had a record label at one point. So we were just oh. like, yeah. So mostly gospel music, um, some contemporary, you know, worship here and there. But we were kind of exposed to so much just with that going on all the time. Um, so once we were able to really get like our own setup and, and and music and stuff at the house that we could create on our own, it was just like it never stopped since then. You know, just being inspired from being around it all the time. That's awesome. And you're not an artist yourself, correct? No, I'm not an artist. I actually tried to be an artist or went down that path. Like, I would say like 2013, 14, um, and made it all the way to the end, the signing table. And I just changed my mind because I felt like at the time I wasn't really... um, I had some self-identity issues. I I really didn't know who I was because I was just kind of still growing, you know, as a person. So it was hard for me to, you know, when you're going through deals and stuff like that, they want to really see your personality and get to connect with you. And I had a problem with connecting um, and I could start hearing into my music. So I just felt like I I could find um, areas, other areas in the music industry that would work best for me. Um, And the executive creative side was something that I gravitated to. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I think something that all songwriters go through is like, am I going to be an artist? Am I not? Because, okay, I write songs, but there's so much more to being an artist than writing songs. And, um, I also tried it. Um, who knows, maybe I'll try it again. Not thinking that's in um, my near future by any means. Um, Cause what I really love is, is writing the songs and being able to go into sessions, write a song and then, you know, leave it in other people's hands is so freeing in so many ways. It can be extremely frustrating sometimes, but at the same time, it's one of the most freeing things about being a writer where you just get to like continuously flow from idea to idea and help other people tell their stories. So um, lots of respect for people that are artists, but also lots of respect for the people who decide that's really not what I want. Exactly. And it's okay. It's okay to, to, to do that. But for me, I feel like the best thing you want to do when you're in that position is just make sure you're exposing yourself to a lot of different things. I think when people start doing music, they only think of, oh, I can either make the beat or sing the song. But it's just, it's a lot of different things that you might gravitate to. So you just want to make sure you're exposing yourself to all of that. Absolutely. And it's really hard because just the nature of these jobs are hidden, right? They're not the people singing on stage or playing on stage. They're the people who helped make all of that possible. And something I think that at least a lot of young kids, maybe who don't grow up in the music industry or with a lot of exposure to that, just think, oh, well, if I'm going to be in 
this industry that I, I really love. Like I have to be the one performing. I have to be the one, you know, in the spotlight. And certainly my journey was a lot of, you know, discovering what was behind all of this outward stuff. And, um, I don't know, I think it's one of the coolest things in the world to be able to be in the room with like really big people and yet still walk out the door and like, nobody knows who you are. So cool. (laughs) Best, (laughs) best part of it. I'm telling you. So you live in Atlanta, correct? I'm in Atlanta, born and raised. How has that city and the music in that city shaped you? Oh my gosh. I think the, the fun part about living in Atlanta, making music is so many people make music and it's crazy because when you go to these different sessions, you just, you always know somebody in the room, which is crazy. Um, and then the other part to it is just, it's a lot of like hidden gems in Atlanta. Like, we use, they usually just pick up and sign the most popular thing, but I mean, it's so much talent here. So when you make different connections with producers and songwriters and artists, it's just like you literally never know where those songs might go or whatever y'all end up doing, whatever might happen to that, because it's just so much talent here. You know, it's a little overwhelming, um, but I love that. So it just never gets boring as far as collaborating with people and just finding new artists, finding new talent. Um whether it's just like going out to a club um, on open mic night or just, it's just so much. It's overwhelming. Yeah. It seems like Atlanta's a really, it's, it seems like, you know, it has all the energy of a big city and yet if in a lot of ways, it's kind of like a small town where, like you said, you go into sessions and you know people and it's, it seems like there's a very strong community around the music scene there. Oh, absolutely. That's that's one thing I will say. Um, everybody definitely tries to look out for each other. Um, and yeah, I mean, I feel like it's so much new talent coming out of Atlanta. I'm interested to see how everything goes, you know, this next couple of years to see who pops off. Have you been to other music cities and worked in other places? Yes, I have. Of course, L.A. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of people that have transitioned out there. Um, Nashville. Um, is a cool place to work out of as well. New York is dope. It has a completely different vibe. Um, I just got back from Miami. We did a, um, me and my sister went down for a camp, um, with Timberland, which was really cool. I never worked out of, um, a Miami vibe. So that was different with the beach vibes and, you know, the great food and the partying. So we made some great records down there. That's awesome. And how does Atlanta compare to these other places that you've worked in? Um, I would say the energy, like, is definitely um, that family community type vibe. No type of like stuck up. I'm better than this person. I'm better than that person type vibes. Um, the the downside is everybody does think they're like super famous here, so <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of arrogance uh, when you go in these studios and make records. But it's like. It's all love at the end of the day. It's that Southern hospitality. Mm. Yeah, it's true. That's awesome. So when you're in these sessions, how do you approach writing a song? Um, For me, uh, I try to just make sure that um, I first off vibe with the beat. I don't like to listen to a lot of different beats when I'm creating. I try to like, we try to go through like maybe 
four to like six and see if something sticks. Um, because I feel like a good song shouldn't take that long to create. Um, so that's kind of what I do. And just try to make sure that the vibe is there and try to make sure that we're intentional with the lyrics and the concept. I'm really concept heavy um, because there's so much music out there right now that doesn't have a lot of strong um, concepts, especially in like the rap hip hop side. Pop is always crazy, but just like the rap stuff is very redundant. Everybody's talking about the same thing, you know? So I like to get in with creatives who like to kind of think outside the box or, you know, are really big on different cadences and just sounding a little different than the normal people. That's great. And what makes a good concept to you? Like when you, when, when do you know you have something that you can work with? I feel like what makes a good concept is like when I listen to a song and I'm like, mm, that's a really good line or a really good concept is I want to kind of be able to picture, um, either like where you are when you're singing or making the record or picture like the story that you're telling um, by the different aesthetics that the that the song may be giving, the music, the texture of the voice. I'm just really big on like taking people on a journey to where it doesn't feel like, I don't know, just like loopy and no emotion, you know? Yeah, yeah. You're like paying attention to all of these different elements and seeing how they all fit together to create something unique and interesting. And I think that's, it's definitely, uh, to me, concept is for sure the most important piece and, and really knowing what that is, or at least having a direction before you start writing anything. Um, very helpful. Cause I find that often if you just go in and start like that, that song will wander. It'll go into places. Maybe it doesn't need to go and, um, being grounded in, okay, this is what I'm talking about. This concept in and of itself is novel in, in some way, or like very specific to my experience or whatever it may be having that grounding idea to hold you through the writing process and, you know, everything kind of coming back to it and serving it is, is super important. Absolutely. It, it literally makes or break it to me at this point, you know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And it's something that I listen to in other people's music, like the songs that really catch my attention. Like you said, when you hear that line and you're like, oh, I've never heard that before. Or, um, you know, there's maybe, it, maybe it's a line, maybe it's a phrase, maybe it's, you know, the hook or whatever it is that, that thing that keeps you coming back and keeps you listening over and over again. Yeah. It's that replay value, you know? Absolutely. When you're in a room, writing is a very collaborative process. How do you approach the collaboration side of things? Um, honestly, I kind of, it's not like a certain um, template or like format that I use. I'm just really big on, like I said, energy. Um, certain records, I might feel like I'm able to go in and kind of lay down an idea or cadence. Then I'll kind of like volunteer. Oh, yeah, let me, I hear something on it. Let me lay something down. And then just kind of feed off of the other person after that, or just kind of see where they are. I, I'm just really big on respecting everybody's creative process. So I've kind of figured out how to become adaptable um, to make the best record versus like, you know, going in certain rooms and saying, oh, this is how I do this, or this is how I do that. Um, I just kind of like vibe out and see, you know, what how, how do they create and, you know, how can I jump in to where it feels natural versus trying to like, you know, come in and regulate and stuff like that. So- yeah, and feeling out the room, seeing what is needed, 
what can you do that plays to your strengths that supports everybody else in the room? Absolutely. Very important. Mm-hmm. So you're an A&R as well, correct? I am. Tell us a little bit about that. How, what is it like balancing the songwriter side of you with the A&R side? Um, it's awesome because it's funny, you know, if you get a certain project and you're not having a lot of luck with finding certain, um, you know, people to contribute writing wise or whatever, um, sometimes you fall short on some of these projects, you know, um, because it's a lot of volume, having to push out a lot of volume, a lot of projects every year. Um, so sometimes we might not be able to find a certain record. It's like, I hear what it needs to be, or we may hear as a team where it needs to go, but the songwriters may send back, you know, some stuff that just doesn't work. So I feel like when it comes to those type of situations, it's always kind of like, it ends up working in my favor where I can kind of just hop in and, and help bring it to the finish line. So that's always fun. It's a challenge. Um, but it is, it's, it's kind of difficult when there's a lot of that happening at one time, you know, um, because, um, you know, when you produce at a certain level and stuff comes out great, people want to keep coming back. So you want to just make sure that you're in a space to where it's like you have those creative breaks and you're not overextending yourself but you're able to give, you know, each project its, it's right um, place and energy in your, in your um, creative space instead of like over exhorting um, yourself. So that's the one thing that I did learn this year, just making sure that I, you know, say no sometimes when it may be too much and just kind of like make sure I'm networking to be able to, to pull people in on certain projects if it's not going where it needs to go, you know? Totally agree. How have you been finding that space for yourself? Um... I put myself more so on like a schedule now versus just kind of like when things come in, I just pop in because, you know, I have a setup at the house. So I'll just pop in and do it and send it as they come. Um, I've kind of like structured um, my days a little bit better. So certain days I just won't work on music at all. And I'm just straight admin, you know, straight A&R mode. But I'll have creative days to where, you know, I'll get to certain things, be able to knock all of that out at one time versus like, just having to to do that every single day. It could be having to be creative every day. I don't I don't believe in that. I think um you have to recharge and and be, you know, filled up and enabled to to be able to, you know, process and, and give out some good energy when it comes to music. You can't be always just moving out of an empty cup um as an artist, as an AR, as a songwriter, all of that stuff, you know? So yeah. It sounds like having these two roles, this role of A&R and songwriter, allows you to switch between the different parts of your brain. So A&R is maybe a little bit more analytical, um, administrative tasks, things like that. And then you can switch into your creative side with, you know, the writing and and letting those, you know, ideas kind of flow, but then giving yourself a break at the same time when you can go back into that A&R role. So that's a really... Interesting, you know, I, I feel like most people don't do both. Most people are like, I'm a writer or I'm an AR. And a lot of ARs can't write or don't, you know, that's that's not where their strengths lie. Um, but it sounds like it works out really nicely for you to do both. Yeah. I, I it's not easy, but I, I enjoy yeah. it. I do. I enjoy it. And and people always remind me and my coworker, because he actually writes as well. Um 
they had some some great placements. So I, they think it's hilarious that we're and then my other coworker, we're just all creatives as well as A and R. So when people all see us working together, they just, they just get a kick out of it and think it's so cool. But it's a blessing. I mean, um, it definitely keeps me busy and I'm able to see things and hear things from a different point of view when it comes to our artists. Um, so I'm thankful from that, from that standpoint, everything is not so analytical and like data driven when we, um, listen to things. So. Yeah. And like you said, it gives you a different perspective when you're listening to the music. I find that a lot of ANRs who don't have the musical experience can't necessarily communicate their ideas in a way that everyone understands or lack a certain fundamental understanding of certain uh, of elements that maybe are very important to the music process. Um, I think it helps when ANRs are creative to get the creative people paid on time. So <laughs> uh, having that understanding for the creative process as an ANR, I think is so, so valuable and so important. And it makes a, the experience just better for everybody involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. So maybe diving a little bit into the, the A&R side of things, as you're um, listening to new music and new songs, what stands out to you when you're like, oh, I like that? Um, how do you how do you evaluate and judge songs as an A&R? Um, so for me, I automatically have to be kind of captured by the production. And I'm not saying that, saying it has to be like this huge, you know, EDM drop or huge 808s and just a lot of busyness. Because I think people can kind of get that confused, confusing sometimes. It's just something that sounds like, I don't know, that has replay value that I would want to replay immediately. That sounds good. Um, and then when it comes to... You know, the concept, it being different, like I said, just being able to lyrically put things together that are clever, that have um, different cadences and rememberable melodies um, with very like just now current production. I have like a stickler for like older sounds and older production. Um, so I don't really, I just, I'm really pushy when it comes to producers. You know, um, I try to be fair, um, but I, I'm just like, I don't know, maybe because I'm kind of dip and dab through the production thing. I try to make sure that when I'm going through beats and stuff, it just fits the artist. Because um, I think a lot of times now, when people make music, they kind of go for what's trendy and they don't really try to think about what fits the artist and what fits their voice the best. Um, so that's something I listen for. Like, do you sound good on the record or is it just a good record? You know? Um, what else would I say I would listen, listen out for? Um, and yeah, just replay value and something that sounds like it's supposed to be, um, and it wasn't, you know, kind of forced. So yeah, that's, that's typically what I listen for when I'm listening back. Yeah. I find that the, the songs that I remember the next day are the ones that, that are, you know, have something to them. If you, whether, and, and it's part of my songwriting process too. Like if I have a few melodies that I'm deciding between, 
It's like, which one do you remember tomorrow? That's, that's the good one. That's the one that needs to stick. And if there's one that you just can't remember as you're writing and you have to keep going back to the voice memo or whatever, like, I don't know, scrap it. <laughs> Probably not good enough. <laughs> it's not good enough. If you can't remember, you know, nobody else can. That's the rule. Yeah. Yeah. And I find the thing about trends really interesting because oftentimes the things that become trends become trends because they're authentic to the people that started them. And, you know, there's, in order for it to resonate with people, it has to be authentic. There's value in paying attention to trends and applying them where uh, appropriate. However, if fundamentally it is inauthentic to the artist or to the writer or to the song, however it may be, I think it can be very damaging because it's that authenticity piece is the thing that made it a trend in the first place. So you're sabotaging the song and ultimately it's not really going to lead anywhere. Exactly. Exactly. I agree. (laughs) Who would you say are some of your biggest songwriting influences? Mm, My biggest songwriting influences. Okay. So I listen to a lot of different type of music. Um, I don't really just like play the same type of genre every day. So I would say from a pop perspective, I would say Taylor Swift. I think Taylor Swift is one of the greatest songwriters of our time because, man, I mean, she can just do so much, so many different things. And it's always really good. Um, And they stick with you. Her songs stick with you. And they are timeless to me. Um, From a rapping standpoint, I would say Nicki Minaj, of course. Um, love her cadences and her wordplay. Um, from an R&B standpoint, I think people will be kind of shocked I'm saying this, but I've really dug into um, Money Long before she was Money Long. Mm-hmm. So kind of like when she was Priscilla, Priscilla Renee was just like primarily a writer. She has some amazing records that um, she's released like, I think like five years ago, but just more of her earlier stuff. The current stuff is great too, but the earlier stuff is really, really, really good. I think people should check that out. Um, She has like just really catchy um, cadences and melodies that are always just, they stick with you the next day, like you were saying. Um, And then let's see, from a gospel standpoint, um, I would probably say like, I wouldn't say there's a specific artist. I'm just like, I really like traditional gospel um, because of the emotional part of it. Um, I think it's important to listen to emotional records from time to time, not to get in your feelings, but just so you as a songwriter can know how to evoke certain emotions. Um, And I don't think you're able to do that if you don't, you know, kind of spend time with your own emotions and and the music that you like um, and kind of identify how that makes you feel. So, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think it can be easy as a writer to rely on the artist or the brief to give you those emotions (laughs) where it's like, oh, well, you know, this person wants to talk about this thing. So I'm going to put myself in their shoes or this song is for this type of artist and it needs to have these requirements, you know, relying on um the the those specifications to give you that emotion i think can happen quite often and you know instead being able to continuously like find where inside of you that you know the subject resonates because you know regardless of whether i've been in that 
specific situation or not, it is going to, um, there's always a piece of somebody's story that I can relate to. And I think, like you said, being able to find your own emotion and connection with whatever you're, you're writing about. Cause you know, that's where songs come from. Yeah, absolutely. And people can hear that. Um, I think, um, the reason why there's so much success with these artists that we weren't, we really wouldn't expect to blow up that might not have the look or whatever is because people can hear the emotion and it's authentic, you know? Um, and unfortunately we're not big on who's talented right now. It's more so, you know, who do we believe? Um, and that's why it's so important for artists um, to, to make sure that they're themselves because as consumers and listeners, we can hear if, you know, if it's forced or if it's real, because the real ones are, they're, they're, they're going on and they're selling a lot of records. But when stuff is just pieced together, I think that um, it just stands out. You can tell. I love that, that we aren't looking for who's talented. We're looking for who we believe. I think that's so true. That's, that's a very insightful way of putting it because it's, it's so true. I mean, there are musical geniuses whose music never sees the light of day because it's just a replica of somebody else, you know, whether it's on Mozart's level or not, it's still, you know, is that you or are you just copying people? And there are people who simultaneously maybe don't have all of that much music vocabulary or what people would call natural talent. And yet something about them resonates so deeply with an audience. And that's, what people hold on to. That's, that's the, the thing that allows that that's the quality that makes people return over and over again to that music because we believe them because it resonates with us, not necessarily the complexity or the technicality or, um, you know, whatever things may, that may be more surface level to the, to the music. Right. Yeah. So, who are some of your favorite up-and-coming writers? Hmm. Who are some of my favorite up-and-coming writers? Let's see. I, hmm. Probably, I don't know up-and-coming. I don't know how long they've been doing it, but I don't know if you know of um, this artist named Doshi. Mm-hmm. I love her. Her writing and just the way that she puts stuff together is very, very interesting. Um, I know Doja Cat isn't up and coming, but I think her writing has just evolved just massively um, this last year, which has been very, very yeah, it's been great listening to her um, just going from like the SoundCloud days to just now being, you know, all over the Billboard charts, but very good writing from her. Um, To be honest... Um, I've just been in a space for the last year to where I've kind of creatively isolated to focus more on. So, you know, building a team of, um, you know, upcoming writers and producers that nobody knows. I think that um, it's just a a space, a, a big space right now that people aren't really paying attention to these hidden gems. It's a lot of, you know, you have to just be in the right room at the right time to kind of land these big placements and kind of be a big deal. But I'm more interested in connecting with people who 
don't have a huge social media following and who aren't big on TikTok, but they're really good songwriters and they're really good producers. So I've been building with them um, pretty much for like the last year. So I haven't really been honestly digging into um, who's new on the songwriting scene or the producer scene outside of just the obvious. Um, But um, I will say those two have kind of like inspired me this last year, Dolce and Doja from a songwriting standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's, at least nowadays, there's such a tendency to, well, I guess whether it's from the outside or from the inside, like only respect the people with the numbers and the following and overlook the people who are truly excellent writers, but maybe don't have um, all of the clout yet. And, you know, I think there there is something to clout. Like there's a reason people have it. Um, sometimes, you know, maybe it's more warranted than others, but there's certainly a reason. And um, I think I would love to see more people investing in development for writers, for artists, for producers, for whoever, just taking, um, being able to identify people who have not only the the talent, but the drive and the work ethic. Cause you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't have the consistency and the self-discipline to put in the effort, you know, every day to make something happen, you know, what kind of career are you going to have? So um, prioritizing the development of new people in the music industry, I think should, should be more, like it was maybe 20 years ago. I think that would make it more interesting, you know? Um, Because, I mean, we love the people who have their moment. And like you said, they're big for a reason and we love their work. But um, I think for me, I I just have a heart for, you know, listening to the people who are DMing me, their demos, and just really trying to connect to people who don't have a big following and and giving them opportunity. I think that's the best, my favorite part about being an A&R is being able to just give people opportunity and build with them versus just calling, you know, the the top, the number one billboard producer and the last, you know, songwriter who did a huge pub deal. It's like, I feel like that's easy. Um, but I, I want to build with, with um, people who are just on a different platform that are looking for opportunity, you know? Yeah, I I think what you said about it being different is very true. Like there are people who create and define genres and eras of music. And yet, you know, there's so much more to the industry than, than these few people who maybe define sounds of generations, which is, you know, fantastic and amazing to do. But there's also, I think, such a need for new energy and new perspectives and new styles all the time because how else are you going to keep things from getting stale and hearing like you've heard the same song over and over a thousand times? (laughs) Yes, over and over. So I'm not going to lie. That's why I kind of like went into like isolation a little bit, not listening so much to what was trending and like what everybody's listening to at the moment, you know, top 10 albums, trending Apple music charts, all of that stuff is great. But I felt like it was some like, you know, unknowingly kind of 
you know, messing with my creative process a little bit. I would be approaching songs a certain type of way based on what was trendy versus like what the song needed, you know? So I feel like you have to just make sure that you are exposing your ears and your creativity to a lot of different things and not just like the same type of thing. Cause that's when you're, you're just going to start creating repetitively instead of intentionally, you know? Yeah. And I think that ties into what we were talking about earlier about creative space and needing to take a break. And I think good for you for isolating yourself from what's trending because absolutely it helps so much get you into a new frame of mind and a new creative energy. I think this idea, you know, of space, of isolation, all of it serves the same purpose of of letting your brain make its own connections in a way um, that is super valuable without all of this constant like input, input, input. So I'm sure it'll serve your writing process extremely well as you continue to do this. Um, Do you have anything on the horizon for yourself as a writer? Hmm. um, Next year, um, I'm just focused on building more of a catalog right now. And I'm going to be managing a lot of new artists. Well, mostly producers and, and songwriters, but maybe a few artists and trying to get in that space um, a little bit more. Um, But yeah, really just a lot of different, in a lot of different genres, I'm working on a few things. So hopefully those things close out and everybody hears them next year. So, but I'm excited about them. A lot of the new new music I'm going to be working on is with like hidden gems, like nobody knows them. So I'm, (laughs) I'm just excited about that. And, um, I'm potentially going to be dropping some music, just like incognito type music. So you won't really know like what I look like and, you know, and there won't be any pictures and stuff. It'll be more so just like music coming out and it'll be me, but nobody really know. Kind of like a Sia thing. So I'm very excited about that to see how that does. Awesome. That's so exciting. Well, best of luck to you in all of those endeavors. And um, where can people connect with you and hear your music? Let's see. Um, you can connect with me on Instagram. Um, my Instagram is Drea the Goat with uh, two underscores. I think it's one or two. One of them. Um, other than that, I'm on LinkedIn, Alexandria Dollar. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show today. This was such a good conversation. Yay. Thank you so much for having me. Another great episode. Alexandria and I talked about the pros of living in Atlanta, ARing, and what she looks for in new music, and the importance of taking creative breaks, and so much more. So let me know what you thought about this conversation on Instagram. Follow the podcast at songwriters underscore unblocked, and let's chat about this episode. Also follow Alexandria at Drea the Goat underscore. This is Songwriters Unblocked. Thanks for listening.